Church Project. How's everyone doing today? Hey, come on. We, we got an hour extra sleep. How's everyone doing today? <laughs> All right, since we do it this way and we roll this way, how many of you vote to do that again next weekend? Like, we'll just, we'll just keep sleeping in every weekend. Uh, glad to see everyone here today. We're going to have an incredible time worshiping, and already it's been great worshiping. Thank you, band, for leading us in praise to who God is and, and our hearts and, and praise to Him, and thank you for doing that. Uh, today, if you're a first-time guest, we are glad that you are here. When you sat down, there was uh, a response card, and so we would love you to fill out that response card. Give us your email every week that we send information as to what's happening at Church Project. Like, for example, last week we had First Wednesday. Uh, usually we have house churches that meet throughout the week. And so I'd encourage you, if you're not part of a house church, we have incredible house churches. Though this is good, this monologue, it's a lot better when we take Scripture and we take His Word and we take this message and we get to sit and have a dialogue with people in a house church setting and say, what Aaron said? That's me, by the way. I'm Aaron. Uh, I didn't agree with that. He was so far off base, it was, it was not even funny. Like church, we need to be talking over scripture together, and we need to be growing together. So I'd encourage you, if this is all you can do is come to Sunday mornings, wonderful. We're glad that you're here, but our highest recommendation is that you would be part of a house church. So you can find where our house churches are on the website. Also, part of Church Project, one of the things that we do, we hold the Bible in high regard. And so, uh, uh, what, four weeks ago, we started a brand new series, and we're going through the book of Acts. So what that means is we're going, it's called expository teaching. We start at the beginning of a book, and we work and study all the way through to the end of the book. Congratulations, today we get to move into Acts. Acts has, a, has 1,007 or 9 verses in it, I don't remember, 1,007 verses, I think, and we're moving into the 900 range today, so we've almost covered into, uh, like 7 verses. So anyways, if you have your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 1. If you don't own a Bible, uh, there's a Bible in the rows next to you, and there's Bibles in the back as well. Uh, and in the blue Bible, if you would open it to page 628, we're going to look at a few verses today. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 is what we're looking at today. So I'll give you a minute to turn there. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and we're starting on page 628 of your blue Bible. Let me go ahead and, and read this passage before we begin today, and, and let's, let's just ask God to teach us some incredible things. So let's read this. So, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many of you like those verses right there? We're actually going to cover three verses today, and I'm pretty excited about that. Let me, let me give you a little bit of a, a, a setup as to what's happening. Acts is a two-part study, and it's a continuation of the book of Luke. And so Luke wrote Luke obviously. And Acts is the second part of that. Both books are written to Theophilus, and it's telling a story. So Luke is telling a story, and if you look at Luke, it's talking about the life of Jesus and what Jesus did and how he lived his life and how he taught. That's the book 
of Luke. We move into Acts, and it's all about a continuation of what Jesus did. He's with us for a few verses in the first part of Acts, but then it moves on to the Holy Spirit being imparted to the church and how the Holy Spirit is continuing to move and to teach in the church. We say this every week, and I think it's worth saying. The the book of Acts has 28 chapters, and we call this, the church today, Acts 29, because Acts 28 just kind of ends. You're reading along, you're in the story, you're like, this is great, and then it just kind of hits a wall. You're like, that's it? No, that's not it. That's the whole point of the book of Acts, is that we, the church, continue being the church, and the story continues on. So the first part of the book of Acts, it's talking about Jesus and his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, and how he appeared to many people after his resurrection. He is appearing to apostles, he's appearing to people, and he's, in the first part, if you notice, he's looking at his apostles, and he's saying, wait, don't leave Jerusalem yet. I'm going to baptize you, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and, all, and so far, the apostles are probably have a big question mark about everything that he's saying at this point. Jesus is with them. He's saying, wait. How many of us like surprises? All right. Serious? That's it? Okay. Let's try. How many of you like surprises? I tried to surprise Jack this morning. I tried to scare him when he walked in. It didn't work. And I thought he was going to punch me in the face. So I retreated quickly. <laughs> so, surprises. I'm terrible at surprises. I know when I first got married... Uh, I would try to surprise Lauren or, or jump out and scare her more appropriately labeled. And I learned quickly, never do that. So if you're engaged, men, do not scare your wives. It does not turn out well. Like, I, I, am, I am terrible at surprises. In fact, I'm the kind of guy that I, w- I will buy a gift on sale for Christmas this year. And I will store it in my closet and I will give it to you next Christmas. No, that's not me. I'm so excited by the time I get home, I'm ready to give you the surprise. Like, are you that way? I, I am not good at surprises. I can't buy a gift this year and give it next year. If you want to torture me, by the way, all you have to say is that you have something big to give to me and that I need to wait not many days. That's what Jesus is doing to the apostles. And so if I'm there and Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, like I'm about to leave you and I'm about to give you something incredibly big and it's going to come in not many days. And oh yeah, by the way, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Hang out right here. Uh, if, if, If the apostles are like me, I'm like, come on, Jesus. What are you doing? You're torturing me. But that's what he's saying right here. Jesus is saying, listen, you've lived with me. You've seen the power of what I can do. And it's been awesome, hasn't it? And my death, the burial, resurrection thing, wasn't that pretty neat? <laughs> Apostle probably like, bravo, you know, not golf clap, bravo. You did an incredible thing here. And, he's, and Jesus then goes and puts, puts confusion in him and says, I'm about to do more, and I'm about to leave you. And the more that I'm about to do, I'm going to do through you. But just hang out in Jerusalem for a little while. You'll figure out why later. That is crazy. Not, not only wait, but wait for my Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, if I'm the apostle, I'm going, Holy Spirit, what, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what do you mean by the Holy Spirit? Wait? I'm supposed to wait here for your Holy Spirit. And maybe if it had anything to do, if this Holy Spirit has anything to do with what I just saw you go through on the cross, don't, I don't want to wait for that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. And so if you can put yourself in the story of the apostle at the time, What are they thinking? 
I mean, the emotions that they're going through and what they're living through during this time is absolutely crazy. And now Jesus is saying, wait for this thing called the Holy Spirit. It, you know what it reminds me of almost? I know. I'm, okay, just go with me here. How many of you have seen the YouTube of the double rainbow? You're like, what does it mean? Has anyone seen that? I should have shown it this morning. Okay, what does it mean? It's beautiful. Okay. Some of you go look it up today. You will laugh hysterical about, about that. But I wonder if the apostles are really going, what does this mean? Like, God, you're saying beautiful things, but what does this mean? So let's look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're probably saying, like we just elaborately said, so anyways, Jesus, about all that stuff that you just said, how about the whole come and rescue us and be our liberating savior on this earth thing? They've been following Jesus, and they're thinking this Jesus is going to be their liberating Savior on this earth. But he dies, and now he raises from the dead. Now he tells them to wait, and, he's, and they're so confused. I wonder if the apostles are going, yeah, Jesus, what about that whole setting, setting us free and being our liberating Savior on this earth? We are very interested in Israel's national independence. Jesus, this is what I'm focusing on right now. Our concern is on the Jewish hope. How are you going to set us free? How, Jesus, are you going to make us a great nation and make all other nations subservient to us? Because we have been an oppressed people. Are you going to give us our land back, Jesus? Like, What are you going to do, Jesus? Will you now be our Savior? The Savior that we've been hoping for and waiting for? Are you going to give us back our land, and are you going to be our Savior? And he says, wait, wait. All that stuff that you've been hoping and thinking that I am, your Savior, the one that's going to set you free, all this, I I am that, and you're getting glimpses of it, but I want you to wait for a second. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And And so they're confused. They're asking him all these questions. Side note, can we put a pause on that time and jump to like today? Let's do that. I I don't see much difference from the apostles that were confused in that moment, thinking that they were going to have a literal savior that in the physical took him into a great nation and made them into a great nation and how confused they were. I don't see much difference between them and us now. America and where we're at right now. Some of the questions that we ask, and even as Christians, some of the questions that we ask, we are Americans in the same place that they will, that, that they were. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we're so confused sometimes. Sometimes we can get so stuck in the temporal today and be worried about the things of today that we lose sight of the eternal and what God is doing in the eternal. And so if you and I could visit the apostles during that time, and we could zoom right back to them, and they're asking these questions of Jesus, like, what are you going to do? Like, are you our Savior? You're going to set us free today? Wouldn't we smile a little bit and just kind of get a little giddy going, you don't get it. But you really don't get it. God's going to do all those things that you think, but it's so much bigger than that. Hey, Christians in America today, God is going to do more than you can even think and imagine in your life right now. 
the way that you live today. And he's going to do more than you can think of and imagine in the country called America than you can ever think or hope or imagine. God is into restoring. God is into redeeming. God is into hope. He's into good things. God is moving us forward into places where he, get much, he gets much credit and glory and honor and praise. And as Christians, we have nothing to fear. It doesn't matter what political candidate gets it or not. It doesn't matter who's ruling the land. We know who's ruling the universe. Christians, I'm so excited for where we're at today in America. As we see in Acts, as the apostles are confused, they don't know what's going on, and Jesus is saying, just wait, I'm about to unleash my power, just like they were there. That's us today. Church, wait, pray. Let's wait for the Holy Spirit. Let's lock our eyes with him. Amen? Okay, let's get back to the verses here. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's their question. And in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. What stood out to you in that verse? Let's have a couple. Okay, pick one word. What stood out to you in that verse? Let's have a couple people just popcorn it here. What, yeah, yeah, what word stood out to you? Who? Yeah, okay, we'll stop there because me too. I'm on the same, same track. Absolutely. The authority. That word just jumps off the page. I think of Matthew 28, 18, and it's part of the, of the Great Commission. And this is it. Matthew 28, 18 said, And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And Jesus is talking. He's saying, I am the ultimate authority. And as we begin and we look at verse 7, he said to them, as they're asking their, their cute little questions, that they, this is kind of, he's like, oh, I'm patient with you. They ask their cute little question, and, and he says, you know what? He said to them, it is not for you to know. Look at your scripture. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. One thing. I've learned over my short, what, 16 years of, of being a pastor is that people are going to do what people want to do. Have you learned that too? You don't have to be a pastor to know that. You know, but I, I could sit down and give the most like, passionate advice I can possibly give in counsel of someone going through the hardest thing ever. And I can just pour it all out there. I mean, I can back it up with thousands of scripture. And I can give all the passion and all the resources and give all I got and pull away from that coffee thinking, oh, the earth is going to shake. Only to find out nothing is going to change. People are going to do what people want to do. No, it's stop. Aaron's going to do what Aaron wants to do. One of the hardest things in, in, in pastoral ministry, and the way, especially the way that we do it in America, and I think God's going to start doing a new thing uh, in the Church of America. That's why we talk about house church all the time. We need to see the pastor a little less authoritative and a little more teaching, and we need to enter into learning together. But one of the hardest things about pastoral ministry is, is not actually teaching this stuff, because 
a lot of us, we're really smart. A lot of us, we've, we've been in the Bible for a long time. I mean, there's great people on the internet that you can find that are way better teachers than myself. It's not a lack of resources of knowing, really. Oftentimes, the hardest part of pastoral ministry is actually convincing us to do what we already know what we're supposed to do. Like, God is teaching us. His Spirit is moving in us already. We all have Bibles. Oftentimes, we have our Bible apps. We can read it whenever and however, but we just move through life. We already know what to do. The question is, are we doing what God has already shown us what to do in our life? Are we allowing God to be the authority in our life? Or are we living for Aaron Havens? Well, insert your name. Don't look for me. You get it. You get what I was saying. Our whole social justice system is built around the reality that when people get out of line from the authority given them, there will be consequences. You'll get arrested. You'll go to prison, these kinds of things. When people rise every day and when they live by their own authority, it never ends well. The book of Judges, you familiar with the book of Judges, Old Testament book? Read through it. The theme of the, the book of Judges is this. People did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes, and you'll see judge after judge doing what was right in their own eye, and you begin to see the wrath of God that enters in certain places, and it's very simple for us to church, do you, church today. Do you rise and do what was right in your own eyes, or do you acknowledge Jesus and God as the authority of your life? And you position yourself and say, Jesus, it is about you, not about me. On Sunday mornings, we can come and we can raise our hands and sing awesome worship. It's incredible worship. But it doesn't take long to realize that the words are not about you. They're about Jesus and what Jesus has done and what God has done in your life and how you live according to those words and underneath those words. We, think, we sing solid theology at Church Project. Why? Because we don't want you to think it's about you. It's about Jesus and what he has done for you. It's about him setting you free. It's about living on the, under the authority of the king. That's the gospel that I read about every day. That's the gospel that, that we give our life to. It's going around into the world and saying, you know what, if you're living for yourself and by yourself and around yourself, that's going to be a lonely place. But if you're living under the authority of the, the king and you've realized how much you have been forgiven... You are going to move and you're going to live out of that heart position. Are you living for yourself under your own authority or are you living under the authority of God Almighty? Let's move on. Uh, Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8. But you will receive what? Power. Look at that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power. Underline that. 
highlight that. Square that. Make an asterisk by that. I can't think of any other way to mark it up, but if you can, go ahead. Like, that is such a powerful word. In fact, the word, this word power, the word used here is dynamis, the original text. The word is dynamis, which we get the word dynamite from. Yeah, ooh. Ooh, boom, baby, boom. Look at that. Read it with that in mind. Read it with that emphasis when you read this word power. Read it with the emphasis of dynamite. Like this is what Jesus is saying you will receive. You will receive this power, this dynamite. Jesus is saying I have all authority in verse 7, right? We, we agreed with that. Good, good call. Then we get to verse 8 and it says you will receive this power. He's saying I have all the authority and I will give you the dynamite power to accomplish the task that is set before you. Is that power you conjure up and just make up and fake? Can you fake having that kind of power? Or is that something the authority of God has got to impart to you? My best day, I wouldn't say I was like, dynamite. I mean, the best I got, I wouldn't say my power is dynamite at all. It's limited. At best, you may see glimpses of just absolute greatness in me, but I'm going to fade really, really quick because I'm mortal. It's only when I realize that all authority has been given to God Almighty and he has imparted his Holy Spirit to be the dynamite power that I live my life under that we begin to see the Holy Spirit moving and changing. This is good. Church, do you walk? I better get a drink before I ask this, Chad. Is that okay? If everyone, anyone needs to get a drink, go ahead, because I'm going to. Trish is like, what are you about to say? Oh, it's coming, girl. You ready? <laughs> All right, let's stretch this out. Church, do you walk and believe and speak and live and work and pray and think and talk and dream and write, blog, post, retweet, and expect to live in the reality that through Jesus' authority, you have the explosive power of dynamite? How do you live your life? How do you think? How do you move? How do you write? How do you dream? How do you move about your day? How do you wake up? Do you wake up feeling defeated? If so, maybe you're attempting power on your own. Maybe your authority is not God. Maybe your authority is yourself. Maybe you should take a nap, hit snooze, and start your day over again. Dynamite. People run when dynamite is lit, don't they? <laughs> Mountains crumble when dynamite detonates. Dynamite makes paths where no path has existed. One stick is powerful. Multiple sticks are awesome. The power of house church. 
people, community, not being isolated. I, I keep coming back to house church, huh? I think it's pretty important. Dynamite. Do you feel stuck in your situation, church? Whatever situation you're living right now, whatever fear you have, do you feel stuck? Are you concerned for the future of your life, for the future of our nation, for the future of the world? This is important. Open up your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to read it out of a, out of a, a translation of the Bible that I, I rarely read from, but it's, it's the message version. So if you have the message version, um, you're, you're going to get it word for word. If not, star this. And read it in your translation, whether it's ESV is usually what we use here, or, or NIV. But start and read it later. And, and maybe this is the time where you can just close your eyes and, 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 and soak in the words that this even message translation just, just almost repackages the truth that's found in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Do you feel stuck in your situation, church? Are you concerned for the future of your life, nation, or world? I pray Isaiah over us. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and then can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you, the coyotes and the buzzards, because I provide water in the deserts. Rivers through the sun-baked earth, drinking water for the people I choose, the people I made especially for myself, a people custom-made to praise me. Amen. Yeah. Do you feel defeated, church? Maybe it's because you're submitted to your own authority, relying on your own power. The authority I read about in Scripture the power I read about in Scripture, the power that the prophet Isaiah even begins to preach over us is the same dynamite power that Jesus has imparted into each and every one of us. Are we living under his authority? Are we living under his power? Let's read our verses again. again. Acts chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That verse number eight is an outline for the entire book of Acts. And so let me give you the, the, how it's going to kind of play out. You can, you can use this as an outline for the entire book. So when it says in Jerusalem, the first seven chapters of Acts is literally talking about in Jerusalem. Okay? Then the part of the verse in verse 8 where it says in all Judea and Samaria, you can move to chapter 8, verse 1. And it's, we're going to be talking about Judea and Samaria all the way through chapter 11, verse 18. So there's the second part of our, of our outline. And then in verse 8, has it, how it talks about the end of the earth. The remainder of the book of Acts is about the outline of how it moves out this gospel message to the remainder of the earth. This week, the world will know and the news stations will proclaim America has a new leader. It'll happen instantly. We'll know. All the celebration parties or the depression parties, whatever's going to happen, America will know. The news stations will claim it. In the first century, when a new king was given authority, heralds would travel throughout the land, and they would proclaim the news, we have a new king. They would proclaim this news. And it was usually good news, because they realized that no government was anarchy, and that was bad. So whenever a herald would come and declare a new king, it would be met with cheers. We have a new king. The spread of God's rule was to take place by the means of his disciples. In the book of Acts, empowered by the Holy Spirit. How the title king was going to be imparted to the world was through his disciples. Do you get what Jesus is saying? Do you get what Luke is writing, we get to herald wherever we go and proclaim Jesus is king. Isn't that good news, church? We live in a place right now of being witnesses this age, today, the place that we live in. We live in this place as being witnesses and living out the mission of Jesus Christ before his return. We do nothing more than herald this good message of Jesus as king and proclaim it to, proclaiming it to every land that we go to. I don't know where your land is. I know that my land tomorrow morning starts actually kind of slow. My Monday mornings are really slow. Good coffee and a walk around the park. And then I know about 10 o'clock my land starts being a staff meeting with Jeremy and Jerry. And I know that's my land for the next couple hours. And then beyond there, I mean, you don't want to be bored with my schedule for the whole week. I don't know where your land is. I don't know when you leave here today where your land is. Maybe it's the college that UNC, I mean, Ames, who knows? Maybe it's driving back to your home or maybe it's your workplace or your family. Wherever you go is the land that God has said, proclaim me, herald me as king over that land. And the only way we can proclaim him king over that land is that we're living it. As he is our authority, we're living under his power, we realize how much we had been changed. How we were in the depths of sin, broken, and he rescued us and saved us. Is that a message worth heralding around the land? Amen. Yes, it is. 
Well, how do we live out being witnesses and living out the mission? Look at verse 6. And we're going to end. I know we're going backwards. How do we herald this message and being witnesses? Look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they what? They asked him. Do you see that? They were living under the authority of a king. How do we herald Jesus as king? God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the lands that Jesus takes us to? By asking him. Theology is the study of of God and what we believe about him. And at best, it's our feeble human attempt and approach to explain God. How do you explain God? Well, we've created theology to do so. And bright, brilliant men and women through all times have debated theology. And ah, I study theology and you study theology. It's important to know our theology, who God is, is so important to know. There's a portion of theology, it's called imminent, that God is close, or the reverse of that is transcendent, which is far as God is far off, and so we have imminent and transcendent, and do you live as God is transcendent, far off, unapproachable, or are you engaging with him as he's imminent and close and wants a relationship? As humans, we have to posture ourselves in between the imminent and the transcendent, not thinking he's so off that we can never approach him, but not thinking that he's so close that we don't even have to recognize him, and he's just our homie, good old buddy. Like, we, we have to live in this tension of imminent. God is close, and he wants to be near and draw us close and hold us like a child, as a dad would hold his child, yet as a king and father and ruler and ultimate authority, like this, this imminent and this, this transcendence is what we're living in, and we see the apostles. We see the disciples as they approach God, their father, in a very loving way. And they asked him, how do we herald this good message wherever we go? Church, we live out Acts today. We live it out. A people sojourning as strangers through this temporal world that we know, but this is all we know. While setting our eyes and hearts to the eternal God. Remembering we were once a people of slavery to sin, wandering, and God paid the price with his son. We are no longer slaves to sin. I love when we sing that. I love when we sing that. What a good reminder. We're no longer slaves to sin. We come together, I mean, look around. We, we come together to remember what God has done and to celebrate going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what we're celebrating. The gospel message transforming every land that we go into. Do you accept that word today? Are you willing to live under that authority and that power today? That dynamite power that God has given us through his Holy Spirit? Next week, right here, we're going to have a horse trough. We'll try to get the water at least 
room temperature. We're going to have a baptism. Tell me, check me if I'm wrong in this, but whenever I read through the Bible, Jesus never says, pray this prayer and you shall be saved. What does he say? Repent and be baptized. Align your life with me. He says, repent. Know that you're dirty without me and that you need me and I'm your Savior. And when you call on me as your Savior, I will be the Lord and I will lord over your life and I will have the authority over your life and I will impart to you the power. But people will know this and they will see it because your life is changed and you follow the decrees that I've made. And one of the things that God has said is repent and be baptized. If you have not been baptized and you call yourself a follower of a king, it's time to be baptized. So on your chair is a response card. Circle B, or just write B on it. Give us your name and number and phone number. We'll contact you. It was already in the email. You can go and start registering on how to get baptized. But it's going to be a celebration next week that we're going to have right here. And I call it a celebration because it's nothing more than looking and seeing people that are surrendering their life and saying, God, I will publicly display what you have already done in my life. That's beautiful. Today, we're going to continue worshiping him. We're going to, we're going to align our lives and say, God, you are our authority. We get all our power from you. It's a remembrance of what you've done, and we're going to partake in communion today. So I'm going to ask us if you would. That's all I want to point out for these few verses and acts. If you would, just close your Bible. This is the part of our gathering that I, I, I love the most because this is the part where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, gets to speak to you in very personal ways, and my mic gets turned off. I don't know what you're struggling with, what you've been through, things that you've, you've done in life, what you're currently going through or what you will go through. I want to tell you this. God has uniquely made you and formed you and completely loves you. He's chasing after you. He's never given up on you, nor will he ever give up on you. He is the authority of your life, and that is where your power comes from. He wants to love you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. Maybe for the first time today, you can with your heart and with your mind just say, God, I've been living under my power, under my authority, and it's just not going the way that I thought. And today's the first day I'm realizing how far off I am from being perfect like you are. God, would you please forgive me of living life the way I want to live it? And today, I surrender control of my life to you to be the ultimate authority and power in my life. I'm done living life on my own. I surrender to you, God.